let's get started by putting this where it needs to be. All right, so, uh, hey, my name's Matt Roskin. I'm the youth pastor here, and uh, I'm really excited to be with you guys today. Um, also, real quick, I know we're a little crunched on time today, but I just want to say thank you to all the guys who uh, were able to make it out to man camp this year. So um, if y'all get a chance to thank Matt Nelson and uh, Mark at Stonebridge, they put on a, a lot of work for us. And so I'm super grateful, and uh, it was a good time. It's hard to follow in anybody's footsteps that come up here, but especially following Kenny. <laughs> so um, here we go. Why don't we pray, and then we'll just we'll move right in. God, I thank you. I thank you for this time. I thank you that we get to gather here today. And Lord, I just pray that you would speak, that um, you would encourage us where we need to be encouraged, that you would correct us where we need to be corrected. And all the while, we would grow closer to you and look more like you. So it's in your name that I pray. Amen. All right. So there's been a, this weekend a couple passages of Scripture that keep coming up, which have been pretty cool because that usually affirms where we're going. Uh, we're going to start in Genesis 2, 15 through 18. And so that's Genesis 2, 15 through 18. So why don't we just jump right in? The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. So I love this section of the Bible, and we'll talk a little bit more as to why a little bit later. But thus far in the creation account, God has been speaking things into existence, right? He starts, he starts with the heavens and the earth, and then slowly but surely, he brings order to those things. He starts to fill them, and it's just growing up and up and up and getting greater and greater and greater. And it's just a crescendo going up. He's saying, it is good, it is good, it is good, it is good. And then for the first time, he says, it is not good. It is only when he sees that man is alone that God declares that something is not good. And so um, I didn't plan on going here when I knew I was probably going to go to this passage when I uh, found out what the topic was going to be, but I didn't plan on pulling this out. And I've learned so much through preparing this. Um, I've taken, I haven't fully understood just how important what God said in this context was. Um, so let's, let's think about this for a second. So God, the father, he is in the garden. He is right there with Adam. There is nothing separating them. There is no sin. There is no shame. There is no condemnation. It is Adam and the father in perfect intimacy. What more could you ask for? He's right there with God. He sees God. Everything is right there. And he has that. And yet the father still says it is not good. Like, let that sink in. Um, truthfully, when I, I found out just kind of where we were going for today um, about community, I was not over the moon. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't really want to talk about community. Um, and through this message and even just getting prayed for a little while ago, I felt a deep conviction on me. Uh, I've been a Christian close to three years now. And in that three-year time, I have made it my mission to know God. I want to know him. He's by far the most important thing in my life. He, he decides everything for me. He affects everything about me. That is who I want. But I have not put community on the same pedestal that it is here. That if the father comes along and is that close to Adam and still says, you need people, I haven't lived that out. 
And it's funny how that works. Sometimes uh, the sermons are for you. So <laughs> there you go. Um, but the truth is that we were made for community living. We absolutely were. And so I'm a big, uh, there's like three main ways that I try and relate things. Uh, I'm a pretty straightforward guy. I think about sports, I think about military, and I think about nature. Um, but for today, let's just talk about nature for just a second. And so uh, I want to specifically talk about everybody's favorite animal, the zebra. So the zebra, right? It's got those sick racing stripes that I don't think were put there on accident. I don't think God, uh, Holy Spirit, and Jesus got together and was like, hey, how can we speed this horse up? Um, no, those stripes serve a purpose, right? And so when a predator like a lion is looking at a huge herd of zebra, um, all those zebra blend in together because that's what their stripes are put there for. And so they can't be singled out. Um, and so the zebra knows that it's supposed to be in that herd. That herd is for safety. Um, if you ever see a clip when a zebra is by itself, you can just be like, all right, like here comes that lion. Where's that lion at? He's coming sooner or later. Um, but the zebra knows that there's safety within the herd we're not so quick to take the same lesson. Um, I'm not sure if you've been awake the past two years, but uh, leading up to this point of COVID and everything going on, uh, even before this, our, commun- our purpose behind community, our heart for community has slowly but surely kind of been diminishing. And then over the past two years, it's definitely been affected. And so everyone's favorite government agency for this time period, the CDC, has uh, a couple of studies that it, it promotes regarding loneliness. And so loneliness is associated with a 50% chance you're more likely to get dementia in your lifetime, 32% more likely to have a stroke in your lifetime, 29% more likely to have heart disease, and that's not even going into the mental health effects, right? We all know that loneliness isn't good for us. And then the other side of this coin is that um, we weren't made for online community. You just weren't. Uh, you weren't meant to be scrolling on Facebook all day. You weren't meant to be scrolling on Instagram, TikTok, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Um, you're supposed to be connected. There's an aspect of us that needs person-to-person community. Um, we were just made for that. It's in our origins. It's in our DNA. Um, and I know you remember what middle school and high school was like. I definitely, I definitely, I definitely do. Um, in middle school and high school, remember the lengths you would go to make friends, the things you would change about yourself, the way you talk, the way you dress, the things you liked, uh, all that. You would change all those things just so you would have people in your life. It's for our benefit, community is. Solomon talks about in Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12, he gives us a pretty good picture of some of the benefits to it. He says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep uh, warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. So yeah, obviously enough, there is benefit in community. Uh, There's a better reward for our work because we can depend on each other. And one of the primary means that we receive comfort comes through other people. Um, And because we know this about God, we know that he is God. And so he knows what is best in every situation. And we also know that his heart is for us. Uh, The first thing he does when he creates man is he blesses him in Genesis 1.26. So if he knows what's best and his heart is for us, then of course there's gonna be benefit in community. And so um, let's also get really real for just a second. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians 
5, 14 through 15. So this is Paul's letter to the church in Thessalonica. He says, and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. And so my first job out of college, my first real career, I'd say, I was a firefighter. I did that for three years. And then a year later, or for a year, excuse me, I was a fire marshal at Kennesaw State. And so most people know what a firefighter does, um, but a lot of people don't know what a fire marshal does, and they're, they're totally opposite. A firefighter is reactive, and a fire marshal is proactive. So a fire marshal would come into a room like this, it would look at how many exit signs there are, it would uh, tell you how many sprinklers you need to have, how much water flow needs to come out of those sprinklers, how many fire extinguishers, how far does the nearest exit be, uh, need to be for all of us in this room. And so it's very heavy code oriented. It's very in the book. It's a lot of lawyer language. And if you've hung around me for five minutes, you know that is not my skill set. <laughs> so when this opportunity arose, I was like, man, I get to go work with people. That sounds incredible. But if I'm honest, when I tried to be around people, when I tried to be around community in my own flesh, there were some days where I was like, Lord, please put me back in that code book. I would be so happy to be dealing with code again and not, not be working with people when I tried to do it on my own. Because let's be real, people are hard. People are sometimes messy. They can be difficult to work with, myself included. And that's probably, and they hurt us. And it's probably the number one reason we withdraw from community, especially within the church. But look at who Paul says is part of the body of Christ in this message. He says the idle, the disruptive, the disheartened, and the weak. Trying to work with, um, not like from a pastoral perspective, but just as a person, trying to work with people um, and just be in people's lives that are going through things and you're working with them for days, weeks, months, years, and you're not seeing change. In our flesh, that's tough. That is not fun. It's not easy. You know how it goes. But that's not, um, I think God does that on, on purpose. And here's why. Um, because you cannot live in true, authentic Christian community without the help of the Holy Spirit. And I think sometimes we're so, we're stiff necked people too sometimes. I think God really has to twist our arms to do things. What I mean by that is if you try and do this in your flesh, if you try and be in a small group, if you try and hang out with other people and really live out the call of being a Christian, which is think about some of the things outside of this passage that you're asked to do. You're told to reconcile quickly if you have conflict. He says, don't even come to the altar if you have conflict in your life that hasn't been resolved. He says, don't gossip. He says, don't go behind people's back if you have a problem with them. Don't slander, show grace, show mercy. Let those things flow through you. We can't do that on our own. It is so hard. You don't want to. We're so justice-oriented people that we just want to come down on people all the time. But that's not the way it was meant to be. You were meant to have the Holy Spirit living inside you, working inside you, so that then not only were the people around you tenable, but so were you. <laughs> so we need him. We need him to work in us. And so if community is important, what is the practical, what's the practical application of it? What is it really supposed to look like? Uh, not just for Riverstone as a whole, but what is it supposed to look like for probably, I'd say, almost all Christian community? There's a pretty good model. Um, I love Genesis. I love the early chapters, really the um, Genesis 1 through 7, I love. There's so much I pull out of there because I think we get so much about us. We get so much about our origin, so much about our DNA in that section. And I think the same goes in Acts too. 
I think the early chapters of Acts show us so much of the heart of what is behind the early church. And so we've been going through, um, we've been going through Acts for a little while in youth, and uh, it seemed fitting to, to slide this in as well. So let's look at Acts 2.46. So it says, uh, day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they receive their food with glad and generous hearts. So here what, here's what I want us to notice. Um, day by day, the frequency of this. This is not something that happens, um, you know, once a month, every quarter, once a week. Uh, there's a commitment to being in Christian community. And I'm not saying like you have to go from here and your small group has to meet every day. But what I do want you to see is the heart posture behind it. I want you to see that there's an intentionality amongst the believers of meeting together. They want to meet together. There's a desire to meet together. But what I would say most importantly in this section is in the beginning of 46 as well. It says they were attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. And so the conjunction there, I think, is very important. This isn't an either statement. Uh, there's no or here. It's an and. And so it's about right here, but it's not supposed to stop right here. It's about going back out into our community. It's about going back out into our homes. If we just leave it right here, we miss so much. Um, so what we're doing right here uh, is important because the Bible says it is. And uh, it's important because as a staff, our job uh, is a little bit different than, you know, I'd say most jobs. Uh, our job is to train, equip, and develop each person that calls Riverstone home. And so that takes an intentionality from both of us. That takes an intentionality as a staff to purposefully pour into people. But it also takes intentionality uh, as a layperson to want to be trained, equipped, and developed. It's a partnership. Um, but why, why are we so passionate about that? Why is that the heartbeat of Riverstone? Why do we want to train? Why do we want to equip? Why do we want to develop? Um, because each of you has a gift to serve in the body. Right now, this is a little one-sided. You're getting to see what at least I think is one of my gifts in teaching and preaching. Uh, but unless one of your gifts, which I'm still working on, is listening, you are not getting to use the gifts that you have. But um, you all have gifts. You all have things that can build up the body of Christ. And those primarily, I think our heart is primarily for you to use those outside of these walls. For you to leave 2005 Stylesboro Road and go back into your homes, back into your community, back into your workplace, the schools that you frequent with your kids, the sporting events that you go to, and take your spiritual gifts there. He doesn't want it to stop here. It's so important to get outside these walls. You know, uh, there's a lot of people who won't come to church. Well, they will come to your house. They will meet you for dinner. They will meet you for lunch, but they would never be caught in dead inside a church. But if we can take church to them, dynamic changes a little bit. So uh, we know the heart behind it. We know kind of the general gist of maybe how it kind of should work as far as here, home, and things of that nature. Um, what's the ultimate purpose? Why are we meeting in small groups? Uh, our small groups are different than a Saturday night poker meeting. Uh, there's purpose behind our small groups. And um, I've heard it said before, you know, we don't, have, we don't need as Christians to have an agenda when meeting people. And I honestly don't know if I agree with that. Uh, truth is, we do need to have an agenda, and it's the Great Commission. 
Our small groups exist to uh, fulfill the great commission and go and make disciples. Matthew 19 says, uh, this is Jesus. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So our small groups are purposeful and the purpose behind them is making disciples. What if your small group, the people that you really did life with, what if that was the primary landing point for new believers? And I, I've done this and you know, I'm, I'm sure we all have and there's absolutely nothing wrong about it. But uh, our default, I think largely in the West is when we, have, when we want somebody to take a step into Christianity, we say, hey, why don't you come to church with me? And that's, that's fantastic. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but you know how church is. You can slip in and slip out of church and not get closer to anybody. But... What if you invite them and say, hey, what if, why don't you just come to my small group? We're just gonna hang out. We hang out on Tuesday nights, be an hour or two. Um, we'd love just to get to know you, encourage you and uh, pray for you. And we'd love for that, that to happen. It might be a little bit different of a response. What if that was the primary form of our discipleship making? How discipleship really, really, really is. This is a form of discipleship, but discipleship is meant to be very interpersonal. It's supposed to be a shared life together. You look at what Jesus did. He preached some, um, but more often than not, he was with his three, he was with his 12, he was with the 70. That's where our discipleship making really comes into play. What if not just discipleship making, but what if our small groups were the primary form of evangelism? What if we weren't necessarily so reliant on programs here? What if evangelism is just so simple? What if we're just present at our home what if we do know our neighbor that we live next to for the past few years and we don't know anything about? What if we were present in our community? What if we were present everywhere we went so that we went to the supermarket and we saw the same person all the time? What if we had a relationship with them to the point where we could say, hey, um, you know, I've gotten to know you all this time. I know this is going on in your life. Would you, like to, would you like to come to a small group with me? We'd love just to, all the things I said earlier. We'd love to pray for you. We'd love to encourage you. All of that. What if that was our primary driving force for discipleship, for evangelism? And so, um, again, I think uh, I, I'm by far no means immune to this. There are so many ways, I think, uh, God's heart uh, for what really we're supposed to look like as Christians in the church has just been altered um, ever so slightly over time. Um, I think we think about people like Kurt. We think about people um, like Tammy that are out in the mission field. And we think those are the missionaries. Uh, and because they're overseas, yeah, they do get a little, they do kind of, we see them in a different light. But the truth is, is that if you call Christ your Lord and savior, then you're a missionary too. You're a missionary right here. Uh, I think sometimes we think of the mission field as this faraway place that you have to get plane tickets to, but the mission field is right in your home. It's right in your backyard. It's in the schools that you go to. It's right, it's right here. It's right in your present life because God has you there for a purpose. And so um, you may say, man, I'm not ready. I don't feel like I have what I need to be a missionary. Well, that's what we're here for. Train, equip, develop. Um, because you're perfectly capable and it's the call on our life. Uh, and so much so, I think God, uh, I don't think God is necessarily waiting uh, for revival. I think God is waiting on us to bring revival. Uh, I think revival starts in our homes. It starts in our neighborhoods. What if you were the one to bring a great awakening to your neighborhood? What if you were the one to bring revival to your neighborhood? 
Uh, I think he's waiting on us a lot more often than we are waiting on him for a move of God. So um, community is essential to walking with God. I don't think you can separate the two. And I sadly think myself included, we have separated that. We haven't fully understood just how important other people are to us, how important community is to our lives. And a large part of that is because people are sanctifiers. Uh, Because people are people and we live in a fallen world, uh, people are gonna challenge us. They're gonna challenge us to look like Jesus and there's beauty in that. And so much of us have lost the joy of looking more like Christ by being sanctified. And that sanctification largely comes from being in community. Our community for us as Christians is not supposed to stop here. It's so much more than this. It's so much deeper and richer. And yes, it is challenging, but there's also beauty in the challenge. Um, We were just talking, I was talking with Danny this week, uh, Danny Schwartz about uh, part of Michael's journey. And his, uh, Michael was having pretty uh, serious medical problems. I think when he was a, a baby, specifically this story was about, um, and Michael and Mary, or Danny and Mary were in the hospital room waiting uh, to get results on just where Michael was at. And they had 40 people in there just praying with them. And that's the beauty of community is that you can share life with them. They're there to comfort you. They're there to help you up. Um, and then our Christian community is supposed to go back into the secular community. Uh, we can take what we have to them and we have something different. We have a light that shines in the darkness. We just need to partner with that. Um, What we really need to realize is we talked about the great commission today. It's not the great mission. This was never meant to be a singular activity. There's a very popular move in the West right now of it's just me and Jesus. Um, I I would just say that's not in the Bible. The only place that uh, really we ever seem to be alone is with God in prayer. Other than that, and I'm, a, I'm like a pretty strong introvert sometimes, I don't always wanna be around people, um, but the call is still to people. The great command was love the Lord your God, and then second was love the neighbor as yourself. You can't love your neighbor as yourself if you have no neighbors. We have to get plugged back out into our community. And most importantly, you cannot, you cannot be in Christian community without the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit to encourage and empower and all those things, but you also need it to get it through the difficult times because there will be difficult times. That's the nature of community. And it's not anything that we should be scared of or run. And I didn't quite know why this story kept coming to mind, but I think um, more often than not, we're very fearful of being in community. We just like to throw fig leaves up and we don't really like to show our true selves, but we're fearful of community. And if we're honest, I think that's what keeps us away from it. And so this story started coming to mind recently and I didn't, I didn't quite know what for, but as we were worshiping, it came again and I was like, all right, maybe this is, this is the time as we talk about fear, as we talk about moving past fear. Uh, I remember the first fire I was on, like it was yesterday. It was the middle of the night, Tones are dropping. I hear the tone saying that this is, this is a call for chiefs. This is a call for MedCon. And I know it's serious. And then I hear our station tone and I hear that it's a confirmed structure fire. I'm like, oh boy, here we go. Massive adrenaline dump. I jump into the squad with my partner and we take off. And the adrenaline is just building and building and building as the first engine gets on scene. And again, confirmed structure fire, the house is involved. And I'm like, all right, this is about to happen. I pull up on scene and the chimney is just going up like a candlestick. It is fully on fire and the adrenaline is there and I get out and I put my gear on and I get up to the hose line and for the first time that fear sets in. 
Like, is the, am I gonna be able to do this? And so as we go to move inside the house, I get to the door and this is the first time I've ever been inside anything besides a training simulator for fires. And I remember thinking, holy cow, like you could go in here and there could be smoke down to the floor. You could like, this could be the hardest thing, the scariest thing you've ever done. But I was like, all right, we're gonna do it. I got a job to do. And so I opened the door and there is nothing in this house. Matter of fact, another firefighter walks past me and is like, dude, like, what are you doing? Like, let's go. There was nothing to be afraid of that whole time. And so for us, we get trapped in fear so often. Uh, and so my prayer for you today is that you would step into community. There's nothing for you to be afraid of. Uh, get plugged in today. Sam's about to uh, come up and tell you how you can get plugged into a small group here. We would absolutely love if we could get you in community here, if we could get you in a small group and see what God can do through you in that time. Hey guys, how are y'all doing? Y'all doing good? Thanks, Matt. That was awesome. Uh, I planned on saying a bunch of things and he said most of them. So, I have less to say, which is nice. Um, so first, I'll share some details and then um, just a little bit of my heart um, for Riverstone and small groups um, and where I feel like the Lord is taking us. So on April 10th, we're going to be doing um, kind of like a meeting with people who are interested in starting small groups. And if you currently lead a small group, we'd love to have you there. Um, it's going to be a time where I'm going to share kind of some vision casting some details um, about how we're going to train and equip leaders of small groups um, and kind of begin a new push for launching. We have about 10 active small groups here, and a good portion of them are what I would consider full, um, which is between 12 to 20-ish adults, whether it's singles or couples. And once you get to a certain size, you can't really reach a, a point of being known. And so it's important um, to keep small groups a small group. Um, and so we really have a need um, for more small group leaders. And so part of this um, time is I really just want to ask you all to be praying um, for the Lord to place it on your heart. Um, if you feel like you should lead a small group, um, you have a month, that should be enough time to probably pray about it. <laughs> um, so I just encourage you to do that. Um, and something else I'd encourage you, if you feel like um, you can't do it on your own, don't. Find a friend to start one with. Find another couple to start something with. There's a need across the body, whether it's singles or married, uh, young married, old married, with kids, without kids. People need community like Matt just shared. Um, something that uh, I don't like math, but I did math for this thing that I'm gonna share, which is cool. Um, if, I, if the Lord anointed me with teaching and I was able to teach to 100,000 people every single day, and let's say 4% of those people were to get saved each time that I preached, be 4,000 people. If I was to do that for 20 years, 365 days a year to 100,000 people, I would reach 26 million-ish people. But if we started with our congregation, let's just say 400 members, and we were each to make one disciple a year, so the first year there's 400, the second year there's 800, the next year there's 1,600, if we were to do that for 20 years, it would be 400 million people. That's the U.S. and some. That's what this is, and that's just Riverstone. There are 10,000 churches in Georgia. It does not take a lot of effort for us to partner with God. There's so much opportunity for us to get into battle. It's a battle. Community is difficult and hard, but it's also the greatest thing in the world. Just like anyone who's married can attest to, marriage is not easy, 
but it is the best thing I've ever done. And it's worth fighting for. And I know specifically in the church, there's so much wounding and hurting within community, whether that's from leaders doing things incorrectly or friends doing things incorrectly, or people who say they're Christians not being Christians, which isn't really necessarily the point. You're supposed to look at Christ and be Christ to other people, regardless of how they choose to treat you, which is what Matt was saying. And that's what we have an opportunity to do together as a body, to grow and to learn how to be Jesus to the world. We don't wanna be people who just do the right thing. We wanna be the type of people that naturally do that because we've become like Jesus. And when we take steps in obedience towards what the Lord is calling us to do, over time, we start to do stuff without thinking about it, and that's what God's calling us to do. We start to love and to serve people in ways that we're supposed to. And um, one of, uh, on, on my heart, one of the most important things that Matt hinted at with small groups is it's a place for you to utilize your giftings. There's only so much space on a Sunday morning, and we have a staff that fill most of the giftings needed or required on a Sunday morning. But every single one of you has been gifted with special spiritual gifts that the Lord wants you to utilize to equip you for not just your small group, but for your community. And these are things that are so important. In my small group right now, um, we're going through the spiritual gifts. Do you have love gifts, word gifts, or power gifts? Do you have a multitude of gifts? Do you know how they intermingle with each other so that you can utilize what the Lord has given you to the best of your ability? Small groups are a place where you can fail and be encouraged and where you can succeed and be cheered on. And that's where we want to fail. <laughs> we want to fail in our small groups where there are people that are for us and not against us. Because if you go and try to do it in the world and fail, you will not be received the same. And we want to create a community and create a body that goes after things together, that's willing to encourage in the midst of a hard world. So April 10th, you should come. It's gonna be awesome. We're gonna be talking about small groups, vision casting some things, do kind of a, a soft launch um, for some new small groups um, for you to plug in. If you're interested in trying to get plugged in sooner than that or want to learn more information, you can email me at samuel at riverstoneonline.org and I'd love to connect with you, get coffee, um, whatever it may be. Um, this is what I live for and thankfully I get paid a little bit to do it. So um, it's a blessing and I would love to get to spend time um, with you all, get to know you better um, and I'm gonna plug my small group. If you're a young adult single and you're looking for a small group, I lead one and it's awesome and you should come. So there you go. Um, and then we're gonna have the worship teams come up um, and the prayer teams, if you all like to come up. Um, I'm just gonna pray um, for us. Um, and if you just feel like you need community, um, I would just invite you to come and receive prayer. Um, if there's an ache in your heart, even to possibly start a small group, um, I'd encourage you to come um, and just receive prayer. Um, I think the Lord also wants to heal a few people this morning. Um, so if you um, have a mental illness um, or a physical ailment, um, I just felt that the Lord wanted me to share that this morning might be um, a time for you to receive some healing. So I encourage you to come. So dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much um, for who you are. Um, I thank you so much for the Great Commission, that, that we even have a Great Commission, Lord, um, that Matt um, shared with us. Just the gift uh, that you chose to come and and live with us, to be a communal God. You could have stayed far away, but you chose community as the way you wanted to do things. 
And so, Father, I just ask that you would even just convict us uh, of where we um, need to be plugged in, where we need to be um, a part of a community within our church, but also the community of our neighborhoods or where we should serve um, out in uh, the community as well. So, Lord, I just thank you um, once again. I'm just so grateful to get to be a part of Riverstone um, and to get to know the people here. Um, So, Lord, I just ask that you would knit us together, that you would grow us together, Lord, that you would teach us how to be together daily, how to eat um, and drink together in each other's homes. Um, Lord, we need you to teach us. We need you to grow us together. It's not something we can do on our own. So um, we just are so grateful and we bless your name. Amen.